Hi everyone, this is Erica. I will be reading from page 104 to 110 today in the DPT workbook. We'll be covering doing what's effective and being mindful in daily life and a daily mindfulness regimen. We've been going over the idea of judgments and mindfulness, um, you know, whether they're positive or negative, letting those judgments float off and accepting what is happening without any criticism. So now we're going to continue on. We learned about the mindful I statements yesterday. We're going to talk about doing what's effective. Using successful communication skills, such as mindful I statements, is a part of what dialectical behavior therapy calls doing what's effective. This means that you do what's appropriate and necessary in the present moment to resolve a problem, cope with the situation, or reach your goal. Even if what you do feels unnatural, uncomfortable, or it goes against what you're experiencing emotionally. For example, you're probably not comfortable making statements like the ones you made in the last exercise when you speak directly to the other person about how you feel. But sometimes, in order to get what you want, you have to modify what you feel like doing, especially if you struggle with overwhelming emotions. Here are some other examples of doing what's effective. So you're in a grocery store shopping for your weekly supply of food, but unfortunately, so are many other people. After shopping for an hour and waiting in line for 15 minutes, you feel exhausted. You're so tired and annoyed that you think about leaving your shopping cart and just walking out. But if you did walk out, then you'd be without groceries for a week and you'd just have to start all over again at some other supermarket. So you stay in line and just get it over with. Here's another example. You're driving down the freeway and the car in front of you is driving below the speed limit in the left-hand lane. You feel so angry that you think about smashing into the car to push it out of the way. But if you did, you and the other driver would be seriously injured, and chances are you'd also get arrested. So you patiently wait for a chance to pass the driver, or you wait for your exit and then get off the freeway. You and your romantic partner get into a big argument. Both of you are yelling, you feel so hurt and upset that you think about walking out the door and ending the relationship. But in the back of your mind, you also recognize that this is the best relationship you've had in a long time, and you wish that it would work out. So instead of leaving, you take a deep breath and use mindful I statements to let your partner know how you're feeling. Your boss gives you a new task, even though you're already burdened with more work than you have time for. You feel insulted, angry, and taken advantage of. You're so mad that you think about screaming at your boss, telling him off, quitting, and walking out the door. But if you did, then you'd be without a paycheck for a long time. So you decide to bite your tongue for now until you can speak to your boss more calmly at some point in the near future, and you do the best you can. And lastly, you ask your friend to take you shopping because she has a car and you don't, but your friend says she can't because she's busy doing something else. You feel annoyed and angry because you help her all the time when she asks you. You want to yell at her and tell her what a lousy friend she is, but if you did, you might lose her friendship completely. So instead of yelling, you call a different friend to ask for a ride. As you can see, doing what's effective sometimes means not doing what you feel like doing, or not doing what you've been habitually doing for many years. This is why mindfulness is such an important part of doing what's effective. If you're going to change the way you behave in the present moment, you have to be aware of what you're thinking, feeling, and doing in the present moment so that you can choose to do what's effective. 
doing what's effective also depends on not making judgments. You already know that making both positive and negative judgments can lead to disappointment and suffering, but making judgments about situations and your actions can also prevent you from doing what's effective. Here's an example. Judith had a math teacher who assigned homework that Judith thought was too hard. This is ridiculous, she thought to herself. How unfair of him to give us these assignments. This is wrong. He shouldn't be allowed to do this. I'm not going to do the homework. So she didn't. But as a result, she failed the class. Judith's judgments about what was right and wrong prevented her from doing what was effective. Clearly, it would have been more beneficial to her if she had remained mindful of her thoughts and feelings, avoided judging the assignments, and just done the best she could. Doing what's effective is doing what is necessary in a given situation in order to get a resolution to a problem. Doing what's effective isn't selling out, giving up, or caving in. Doing what's effective is a skill, just like acting. Sometimes in order to get what you want, you have to behave in a certain way. Sometimes you have to act as if you are competent, skilled, and satisfied in order to reach your goal, even if you don't feel that way. And that's what effective actions are designed to do help you reach your goals. In the example above, Judith's goal was to get a satisfactory grade in her math class, but she allowed her judgments and feelings to prevent her from reaching that goal. Remember, in order to do what's effective, you have to do the following. Be mindful of your thoughts and feelings. Avoid judging the situation or your actions. Choose actions that are appropriate and necessary to reach your goal. Do the best you can. Alright, so we're moving on to the next section, which is being mindful in your daily life. Now that you've almost completed these two chapters on mindfulness skills, you probably recognize the benefits of being mindful in your daily life. But to be realistic, no one is mindful all the time. There will certainly be moments in your life when you'll forget to be mindful. So what should you do? In his book, Living the Mindful Life, a handbook for living in the present moment, psychologist Charles Tart remarks, it does not take a really strenuous effort to make yourself become mindful and more present. The effort is very small. The problem is remembering to do it. You forget all the time. It's not hard, but we just don't remember to do it. So how should you remember to be more mindful? Well, throughout his book, Dr. Tart uses a bell that rings at random times to remind the reader to be mindful of how he or she is thinking and feeling. But if you don't want to use a random bell, there are other ways to remind yourself. In some of the exercises in this chapter, you might have used a special ring or bracelet to remind yourself, or remember, or maybe you use sticky notes. If those tools helped you, continue to use them to remind yourself to stay mindful. However, the best way to continue to stay mindful in your daily life is to practice being mindful. The more you practice, the more you will remember to stay mindful. As part of the last exercise in this section, we have designed a simple daily mindfulness regimen to help you continue practicing your skills. It's very important that you continue to use these skills and to practice other mindfulness exercises that you think are necessary, even as you move on to learning other dialectical behavior skills in this workbook. Mindfulness skills are so important to the overall effectiveness of dialectical behavior therapy that they have been labeled core skills. Here we go! We have a daily mindfulness regimen. Nice, let's go through it. Your daily mindfulness regimen will consist of three skills that you've already learned. 1. Mindful breathing, 2. Wise mind meditation, 3. Doing tasks mindfully. Mindful breathing is a skill you learned in Chapter 3, Basic Mindfulness Skills. Remember to breathe mindfully, you need to focus on three parts of the experience. 1. You must count your breaths. 
This will help you focus your attention and will also help you calm your mind when you're distracted by thoughts. Two, you need to focus on the physical experience of breathing. This is accomplished by observing the rising and falling of your breath as you slowly inhale and exhale. Three, you need to be aware of any distracting thoughts that arise while you're breathing. Then you need to let the thoughts float past without getting stuck on them as you did in the thought diffusion exercise. Letting go of the distracting thoughts will allow you to refocus your attention on your breathing and help you further calm yourself. Practice breathing mindfully for three to five minutes a day at a minimum. But if you want to practice it longer, do it for as long as you can. Remember, the more frequently you practice mindfulness skills, the calmer you will feel and the more control you'll have over your present moment experiences. Refer to the mindful breathing exercise in chapter three if you need to review the instructions. And I believe Kate from the Discord channel recorded all of these exercises and the mindful breathing exercise is located on the anchor.fm page. So please check that if you would like a very beautiful, soothing voice to listen to um, while you practice that exercise. The wise mind meditation is a skill you learned earlier in this chapter. It will help you focus your attention on your center of wise mind, which is also sometimes called your center of intuition or gut feelings. Remember, wise mind is just one decision-making process that many people find helpful. It incorporates using both your emotion mind and your reasonable mind, meaning that wise mind decisions require you to reflect on how you feel as well as the facts of a situation. This skill also helps you make intuitive decisions that feel right to you. Wise mind meditation will help you make decisions based on the way your body reacts to a decision and your own inner knowledge, what you know to be true for you. Again, practice the wise mind meditation for at least three to five minutes a day or longer if you want to. And again, pretty sure that's on Anchor or Spotify. And finally, your daily mindfulness regimen will include doing tasks mindfully. This might sound like a new skill to you, but you've already practiced doing all the steps that are necessary. Doing tasks mindfully means doing all the things you normally do in your life, like talking, walking, eating, and washing, while also staying focused on your thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, and actions in the present moment, and without judging what is happening. In fact, this is the exercise where all the skills you've learned in the last two chapters finally come together. To do tasks mindfully, you need to do the following. Focus and shift your attention between your thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, and actions in order to be mindful of your present moment experience. Let go of distracting thoughts and judgments by allowing them to float past without getting stuck on them so that you don't get distracted from what's happening in the present moment. Use radical acceptance to remain non-judgmental. Use wise mind to make healthy decisions about your life and do what's effective in order to accomplish your goals. Some people find it helpful to use the following memory device to remind themselves to do tasks mindfully. So mindfulness is like a flame. Flame is the acronym here. So the F represents focus and shift your attention to be mindful of the present moment. L, let go of distracting thoughts and judgments. A, use radical acceptance to remain non-judgmental. M, Use wise mind to make healthy decisions. The M there refers to wise mind. And lastly, the E, do what's effective to accomplish your goals. So flame. Maybe I'll write 
flame on my wrist today. Let's look at some examples of doing tasks mindfully using all the skills you've learned in chapter three and four. After reading these two chapters, Loretta began approaching many of her tasks mindfully. At night, she would even brush her teeth mindfully. First, she focused her attention on how the toothbrush felt in her hand and how the tube felt as she squeezed out the paste. She was also aware of how her body felt, standing in front of the bathroom mirror, and how the weight of her body felt as she stood in front of the sink. Then as she began to brush, she became aware of the taste in her mouth, the feel of the bristles on her gums, and the movement of her arm as she brushed. When distracting thoughts arose, such as things she did earlier in the day, she imagined the thoughts floating down a river on a leaf. If judgments arose about people she knew, she did the same thing and watched the judgments float away. Then she continued to shift her focus every few moments to her breathing, feeling it rise and fall. Loretta did a good job being as aware as possible of simply brushing her teeth in that moment. At other times throughout the day, she had similar experiences with other activities. When she washed the dishes, she paid attention to how the water felt and to the smell of the dish soap. When she washed the dishes, she paid attention to how the water felt and to the smell of the dish soap. While she was cooking, she was very aware of the heat from the stove, the sensation of hunger in her stomach, the sound of the water boiling, and her distracting judgments, which usually concerned whether or not her husband would like the meal. She did her best to let those judgments go and to be as fully present in the moment of cooking as she could be. My friend had a birthday this weekend, and I've really been getting into baking lately, which is great because I love baked goods and pastries, but I've never felt confident that I could make anything, and that's a negative judgment that, I had, that I've had about myself, and so I let that go. I also, the day of the birthday, started to have negative thoughts that, what if this cake doesn't turn out the way that I want it to, and it's not good, and people are not going to actually like it, and those things, you know, would bring a lot of stress to me while I'm making the cake, and I would start, like, not wanting to even make it anymore. I just think, oh, well, I'll just buy one at a bakery. So that day, I had to really let go of those negative judgments, just focus on the craft of making the cake. And it made things so much easier, and people ended up liking the cake, so yes, Stay mindful to the present moment, present actions. Um, Do what you need to be doing without letting those judgments get in the way. Similarly, Scott did his best to be mindful throughout the day. As he walked, he focused his attention on how his feet felt as they touched the pavement. Sometimes he was even aware of how his feet felt moving in his socks. Then he would shift his focus to what he was saying. He visually scanned what was around him as he walked, and he made mental notes to himself. Right now, I'm seeing a woman, a tree, a building, and so on. When distracting thoughts arose, he imagined the thoughts coming in one door and leaving through another. If he saw someone on the street whom he didn't like and judgments arose, he would also let those judgments go. Similarly, if positive judgments arose about people or places he liked, he did his best to let those go too. For example, once he caught himself thinking, Oh look, there's Mike! He's the guy that loaned me $20 that time. He's the greatest guy in the world. I wish I could be more like him. Scott knew that he couldn't stop those judgments from arising, but instead of getting stuck on them, he would let them go. And if the judgments came back, he would let them go again. But clearly, the greatest challenge to using mindfulness skills is when you're interacting with someone else. 
Talking or arguing with someone and being mindful at the same time is often difficult, but it's also the most important time to be mindful, especially for someone struggling with overwhelming emotions. Here's an example. Claire had been practicing her mindfulness skills for a few weeks when she went shopping for a new dress with her friend Laura. Sometimes Claire worried that Laura really didn't like her. As a result, when Laura made suggestions, Claire did whatever Laura wanted because she was afraid of losing Laura's friendship. However, Claire didn't like the fact that Laura pushed her into doing things. On the way to the store, Claire drove and she did her best to remain mindful of what she was doing. She felt the steering wheel in her hands. She felt the weight of her body resting in the seat. She felt her breath rising and falling as she breathed. She was also very aware of what she was seeing, especially the other cars. But she was also very aware of Laura talking to her as she drove. Naturally, judgments about Laura came up while Claire was driving and she did her best to just let them go. However, some judgments were easier to let go of than others. When they got to the shopping mall, Claire also had opportunities to use radical acceptance. There were certain stores she liked and certain stores she didn't like. At first, she was positive that she would find the perfect dress in the store she really liked because they always had the best clothes. But quickly, Claire recognized the positive judgments she was making, and she let them go. That was lucky, too, because none of the stores she liked had the dress she was looking for. In the past, she would have been crushed and gotten upset. But because of radical acceptance, her neutrality and her non-judgmental attitude allowed her to cope with the situation in a healthier way. Later, the two women found themselves in a higher-end store, looking at dresses that were more expensive than what Claire could afford. However, both she and Laura found a dress they loved. Immediately, Laura began pressuring Claire to buy it. Don't worry about how much it costs, Laura said. Claire looked at herself in the mirror and fell in love with the dress, regardless of the price tag. Claire was about to buy the dress when she remembered to use Wise Mind to help her make her decision. Her emotion mind loved the dress, but a reasonable mind reminded her that she already had a hefty credit card bill and this dress was far too expensive. In the dressing room, Claire took a few slow deep breaths and put her hand on the center of her wise mind. Her abdomen felt very nervous, not happy and excited. Instantly, she knew it was a very bad idea to buy the expensive dress, so she gave it back to the sales clerk and left the store. Claire was proud of herself for making the right decision, but the drama didn't end there. Laura began making fun of Claire for being too cheap to buy the dress. Again, Claire's mind began to fill with judgments about Laura. She did her best to let them go, but as Laura continued to ridicule her, Claire's only goal became leaving the mall and dropping Laura at home. Internally, Claire wanted to scream at Laura, but she knew that she would end up in a big fight. Claire thought about doing what was effective in that moment. She knew that she had just had to get home as quickly and safely as possible without getting into a fight that she might later regret. Claire drove home silently, listening to Cl- Claire drove home silently, listening to Laura's criticisms. She was relieved when she finally let Laura off at her house. Later when Claire was feeling less angry, she even found the courage to call Laura and to discuss what happened. Claire did a great job using mindful eye statements such as I felt hurt when you teased me. Laura understood and said she was sorry. Claire was proud of herself for handling the situation in a new, healthier way. I'm going to stop here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, like we've all said in these episodes, that doing the work and doing these exercises is what will help us get through our emotional regulation and build some emotional intelligence. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of the day.